Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. What sustains you in your day-to-day life? Most of us, even as Christians, are sustained completely by physical things. Our sustenance is almost entirely in food and drink. In Jesus Christ, we are to be sustained not only in physical things, but in spiritual things. Sustained in the Bible and in doing the work Jesus has given us to do in his kingdom. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 4 and see how Jesus was sustained by doing the work the Father gave him to do. Well, good morning. I'm sorry, good afternoon. It's actually a a Wednesday afternoon here in Texas, and uh, hopefully y'all doing well. Just um, spending time with Jesus growing to to know Jesus, growing to love him, growing to know his love. Um, we want to apply ourselves in, in, in every way. We want to be uh, in, uh, deliberate. We want to be intentional in our walk with Jesus. We need to choose to spend time with him, choose to spend time in the word of God, reading and studying and meditating and memorizing the scriptures, the holy scriptures, the word of God. Um, you know, being deliberate in times of prayer and thanksgiving, uh, praise and worship and fellowship and community and Bible study. We need to do all those things. But also we want to, we want to grow to not only love him, but grow to know and experience his love and, uh, you know, in his fellowship. Uh, the Christian life is one of, of increasingly growing in relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, When we were saved from our sin, when Jesus Christ became our Lord and Savior, we came into relationship with each member of the triune God. Again, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they are all God. They're individual entities, individual persons, individual beings, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, they're one in the fact that they're they're all God. They're all all knowing. They're all all powerful. They're all omnipresent. And so, there's no better use of our time in this life than just growing to walk with and to know and to love and obey um, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Lord Jesus. It's only in and through Jesus Christ that we have these relationships. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can know God in any manner, in any way. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can have spiritual life. It's only in Jesus Christ that our sins can be forgiven. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can ultimately go to heaven when we die and spend eternity in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And regrettably, the Bible is clear that if we don't know Jesus Christ, eternal hell is the only place for us. So as we say in in every teaching, almost every teaching, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. You want to know that you've given your life to Jesus Christ. How do you do that? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, have you put your full faith, 
trust and confidence in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Have you gone to Jesus and confessed your hopelessness and helplessness as a sinner? Have you confessed, Lord Jesus, I know and I confess I'm a sinful person and I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. I'm desperate. There's nothing I can do. But I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you're alive and risen. And Lord Jesus, therefore, I ask you humbly to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life. I call on you, Lord Jesus, and I ask you to save me, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and hope and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's what it means to call on the name of the Lord. It's not the words that save us. The words are the, the vehicle we use. It's Christ that saves us, but we have to go to him genuinely, right? We have to go to him in sincerity and in absolute truth, knowing our need of him. And you'll become a Christian and you'll come into all these relationships where God the Father will be your heavenly father. Jesus Christ will be your Lord and Savior and Master and King and Husband. You'll be part of the Bride of Christ and the Body of Christ. The Holy Spirit will, will be your guide and your counselor and your comforter and he lives in you and is one with you. It's amazing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So today we're going to continue with, uh, I think this is part part four of the woman at the well. Is that right? Um, and we're going to do, I think, verses 27 to uh, 33, maybe 34. Um, we'll see how far we can get. So I'm going to read it and then we'll pray and uh, we will get rolling. So John 4. Verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for just for your word. We thank you for, for the holy scriptures and just for this encounter we have with the woman at the well and with you and your disciples, Lord Jesus. And Father, we just thank you for your mercy and your goodness. Father, we thank you above all for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open the Holy Scriptures, the living Word of God, 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I got my $1 Diet Coke. It's $1.07 at the gas station. Can't beat it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So we're in verse 27, John 4, 27. Uh, you'll remember that Jesus had the extended conversation with the woman. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he gives her many miraculous things. She doesn't understand. He, he gives her many miraculous insights, uh, spiritual insights, heavenly insights. She doesn't understand them, but she finally says in verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And we talked about how she knew that a Messiah was coming because the word of God, the entire Old Testament tells us it promised and prophesied beforehand, before Jesus came over 300 times in the Old Testament, it was said that a savior would come, that a Messiah would come. And you were saved in the Old Testament by putting your faith and trust in the Messiah that was to come. You looked forward to the cross, right? Um, Jesus had not come, but you believed the word of God. You had faith in the word of God that the Messiah was coming. And you put your faith in the Messiah that was to come. You look forward to the cross and you put your faith in the Messiah or the Christ that was coming. Obviously, you and I are saved by putting our faith and trust and reliance in the Messiah that the word of God says has come, right? The Bible tells us clearly in the New Testament that Jesus has come and we're saved from our sin, right? We go to heaven by trusting in the Messiah that the Bible says already has come. They looked forward to the cross and are saved. You and I look back to the cross and are saved. That same cross of Jesus Christ saves us all, right, Becky? Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's incredible. Um, it's the same cross that saves us all. It's always been about believing the word of God. They had the Old Testament that prophesied a Messiah would come. They believed it in faith, and they were saved by faith in the Messiah that would come. You have your Bible that tells you that the Messiah has come. That's the reason you believe in Jesus. You don't believe in Jesus because your mom told you. You don't believe in Jesus because your dad told you. You don't believe in Jesus because your pastor told you or I told you or anyone told you. You believe in Jesus because it says it in your Bible. God has given his word in the Bible that the Messiah has come. And so you believe the word of God that says, as we said earlier, that Jesus Christ has come on your behalf, lived a perfect life on your behalf, died a perfect death on your behalf, and he is indeed alive and risen as your Bible says. And that's why we believe it, and that's how we're saved. So the same cross, the same Jesus, the same Savior, the same Messiah saves us all. Old and New Testament. You have to know Jesus. So, so she shows that she knows her theology is correct. I know my Messiah is coming, she said. I know he'll tell us. And in verse 26, Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. It's, 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 it's an overwhelming statement. Jesus revealed himself to this woman, this sinful woman. He had just rebuked her 
He had just confronted her about, about her life of sin. He had just showed her that he knew that she was living in sin, that she had had five husbands, and now she was living with another man that wasn't her husband. Uh, either they were just living together and they weren't married, um, or they were. she was living with a man that was married to someone else. Either way, she's living in what the Bible calls immorality or adultery. And he confronts her about it. And in confronting her about it, you know, he does it because he loves her. He didn't do it to be ugly or mean. And it's with the same for us as Christians today. Whatever, whatever, whatever aspects of our life in which we're living in sin, um, we, uh, we, we do need to confront one another about it. As ministers, we need to bring it up first in our own life and then in the lives of others, but we certainly need to do it in love, right? We don't do it in a condemning way or a shaming way or a guilting way. Jesus does it in love. And, and because of that, even though he confronts her in her sin, we're going to find here that, that she's going to run and tell the whole town about him. And so we want to be the same way, okay? We want to be people that can exhort, you know, others that can confront others to repent over any aspects of their sin, but at the same time that they feel and they know that we love them. And sometimes it's we can get out of balance in that. Um, you know, the leaders in the ministry, we were talking about that today, how we can we can better serve one another, myself, you know, uh, first and foremost, with, with just with a balance, right, of, of, of just living a more holy and Christ-like life, but, but, but having a, 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 a proper and balanced, you know, love for one another, um, even when we're, you know, even when we have struggles. And so it is a, it's a good battle to fight. Um, oftentimes we don't want to say anything about sin and that's wrong, or we could go to where we're, we're just overbearing. Um, and Jesus here strikes the perfect balance. Verse 27, it says, just then, this is right after he tells her he's the Messiah. He reveals himself to her. Just then his disciples returned, verse 27, and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? It's a very interesting statement um, that the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Um, one of the one of the most pertinent observations here is that they were surprised to find him talking with a woman because in that day and that culture, you know, it was, it was viewed as, as wrong. It was, it was viewed as that perhaps you're talking to the woman because you, you're wanting something from her. You're, you're wanting to, you know, sleep with her or, you know, but, it wasn't really a good thing, and very few men would ever do it. Not only is Jesus talking to a woman here, he's talking to a Samaritan woman. He's talking to her alone. And he's talking to a woman who has a reputation that's not very good. You know, a woman who's been married five times and is now with someone else. And the fact, a scholar say, that she's alone at this well in the heat of the day at noon is because the, the town knows about it as well. The disciples are surprised to find him talking with her. By the time 
this story is over. This woman is going to have led the entire town to Jesus Christ. The disciples wouldn't even have spoken to her. As I said in previous teachings, when the woman is, is contrary to Jesus, she's a little curt to Jesus, she's clearly disrespectful to Jesus, we, we might have sent this woman away worse than she came. Because when she said to us, you know, buddy, we, we really don't talk. Why are you talking to me? We don't associate. Why are you asking me for a drink of water? You remember Jesus asks her, gives her a very reasonable request and says, you know, will you give me a drink? Um, in verse seven, he says, you know, will you give me a drink? She's at the well. She's got her jar. It's a very simple request. And yet she's got to tell him the rules about how, you know, we don't associate. We don't talk. Why are you even talking to me? The point is that we would have been defeated there. We probably would have said, all right, lady, whatever, go do whatever, I'll, you know. And we would have just, we wouldn't have, we would have not dealt with her when she said to us, are you greater than our father, Jacob? You know, basically saying, who do you think you are, buddy? Same thing. We, uh, we don't tend to handle conflict or uh, confrontation or, or conflict or disrespect well. Where Jesus, you know, never will never go there. He never owns any disrespect. He continues to meet her where she needs it. And we had talked about how that's what we need to do. We need to meet people where they are. And sometimes they can be a little disrespectful or a little harsh. So the important part of that is Jesus lovingly continues to give this woman what she needs, even though he doesn't get what he wants, which is just a simple drink of water. And when the disciples, it says, were surprised to find him talking to her. Um, Jesus, don't you notice, don't look good. What we can see here is that Jesus is not very concerned about how things look. He's not concerned about his reputation. The disciples would not have spoken to her. And if they, if, again, if the woman had met them, the woman just goes about her business and goes back. But because Jesus is willing to engage the woman, he is willing to go against this culture that said that, you know, Jews and Samaritans don't talk and men will never talk to a woman and it won't look good because, you know, this is a woman who's got a reputation. People might think that I might be interested in something that I shouldn't be interested in, right? Jesus ain't worried about any of that. And because of that, Ultimately, Jesus is going to not only lead this woman to himself, to Christ, but then he's going to use this woman and she's going to lead the whole town to Christ. Try to think about that. Not a likely candidate that we would use in the church today to lead a whole town to Christ, right? We probably wouldn't pick out a woman who's had five husbands and now is living in immorality with with another man that's either just unmarried or another man that's married and it's just not her husband. So, and, and as we already said, Jesus obviously and clearly confronts her on her sin, but then he, he, he uses her to lead the whole town to himself. And again, there's a lot of principles to be learned in there. Uh, you know, we never need to be perfect. We'll never get perfect before we can be used by Christ. So wherever you are today, 
in your walk with Jesus. Obviously, if you're living in unrepentant sin, we, we want to repent of the areas of our lives and, and ask the Lord to forgive us and begin to live a, a proper and holy and Christ, Christ-like life. But wherever you are today, you can be used by Jesus. But you're going to have to willing, sometimes we're going to have to be willing to, to do things that, that maybe are uncomfortable or, or maybe don't look right, right? If your heart is pure, then you go forward and do it. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? They didn't dare ask him. Yeah, right? You can almost imagine them saying, you know, ask him why he's talking to her. Ask him what he wants. I ain't asking. No, no, you ask him. Ask him Ask him what he wants. I'm not asking. No one asked him. And you know what? He didn't tell him. You got to like the fact that Jesus doesn't explain himself, Scott. He doesn't go out of his way to say, oh, oh, I, you know, I, I know this don't look good, but I'm just trying to help this, this lady here. But we weren't doing nothing. He don't do any of that. Right. Jesus is not going to explain himself. He's doing the work that his father gave him to do. Right. If you're doing the work of Christ, you don't need to explain yourself to anybody. Now, obviously. If you have a motive in your heart that's not biblical and you're doing something and you're just using Christ to get some ill motive, well, then that's a whole other story. But Jesus ha- has had a heart to feed this woman the word of God, to help her, to see her healed, and ultimately to see her saved and her sins forgiven. They were surprised. Man, what's he doing? We shouldn't be surprised. Right. When when Jesus is, is doing. The work. That his father had given him to do, and we ought not be surprised when, you know, sometimes the Lord may give us something. It may not be culturally comfortable for us, but if you're doing the work of Christ with a pure heart. We can be obviously we can stand stand before God, knowing our hearts. Right. The point is, if if someone is talking to this woman and they are they are they're talking to her because they're looking for you know um to 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 sleep with her then they know in her heart that what they're doing is wrong but if you're speaking to her and the motive of your heart is simply to speak to her because you're looking to bless her you're looking to bless her in Christ then it's what we ought to do right um the disciples obviously didn't know yet that Jesus is is not going to is not going to submit to cultural norms that are not biblical. Again, this whole idea that Jews and Samaritans don't talk, the Jews looked down on Samaritans. They were racist against Samaritans. They were prejudiced, right? The Samaritans hated the Jews as well. I mean, the whole thing's not of God, so Jesus is not going to engage in it, and nor should we, right? There should be no white only or black only or Asian only, okay? That's not how things work. Jesus doesn't go there, right? Um, You know, all of us are human beings, right? And so our heart is to be loving Christians, whatever our race is. And that's what it needs to increasingly become. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So 
Jesus never gets his drink, mind you. Okay. You remember the story started with saying that Jesus, I believe it was verse, was it verse six, that he was tired from the journey. He sits down at the well. It's been a long day. He's hot. He's thirsty. He asks for a simple drink of water. He goes through this whole thing. He still doesn't get his drink, right? But he's continued to serve her and give her what she needs, even though he does not get what he wants. And we spoke about that uh, principle, right, Rap? How often are we willing to give people what they need, even when we don't get what we want? And uh, oftentimes I'm, I'm not very good at that. Forgive us, Lord. Then leaving her water jar, okay? So she's not worried about the water anymore. She's had a, an encounter with Jesus. Jesus has given her immense revelation. Jesus has declared to her he is the Messiah. And Jesus has confronted her about her sinful lifestyle. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come. See a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, wait a minute. Jesus just told her in verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. Jesus tells her to call one man. She goes and preaches to the whole town about Jesus. This ought to be how our conversions are. After talking to Jesus for 10 minutes or whatever it was, the woman is so changed, so transformed about a, a 10 minute conversation that she goes, she goes first of all from being contrary to being disrespectful. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Who do you think you are? To now she's running into the town and telling anyone who will listen that she just found the Messiah, that she just found the Christ. Is that how people leave 10-minute conversations with you or with me? We were discussing today, again, in the leadership of our ministry, that oftentimes that's not how people can leave conversations, I guess, oftentimes with me. And, you know, I was told I'm doing better and all that, da-da-da. But we, we want to... Uh, you know, we want to do a better job. Again, we want to have a balance. Remember, Jesus does confront this woman on her sin. Right, Tom? But yet, at the same time, Dustin, he, uh, you know, he does it in a manner that, that she just feels drawn to him and loves him. And so that, that's really how we want to do it as Christians and as brothers and sisters in Christ and as ministers as well. Okay? You do have to confront about, about sin in your own life first and then others. But then at the same time, it needs to be done in a manner of love where we can really, you know, show people the, the wonderful side of Jesus and the exciting side of Jesus, not just the Jesus that's pointing out what's wrong in our life. Um, and so the manner in which he does it, she ain't even worried about her water no more. She leaves the water jar there. Maybe she was leaving it to be a blessing to Jesus and the disciples. I, I tend to think she's just putting the jar down because I'm going into town. Je Jesus' disciples are there now. Maybe it's a little awkward moment. Um, but she goes into the town and says, come see a man. And that's what you and I need to say. Come see this man, Jesus. 
And let me tell you what he's done in my life. And let me tell you what the Bible says. Come see this man, Jesus, Rebecca. Come see this man who told me everything I ever did. Right now, you know, he didn't tell her exactly everything she ever did. But when you read it, perhaps he, she's saying, you know, come see a man who told me what I did wrong here or, or how I've been living wrong. Right. Because that's what he confronted her about her life. Right. He confronted her about her her sinful lifestyle. So when she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. I mean, this man came and just told me, you know, he knew, you know, she doesn't get into what he told her, but he clearly told her things that she she knew he could not have known, right? Could this be the Christ? Golly, it's, um, most of us as Christians don't, very few of us ever talk to anyone about Christ, right? Um, there's really no greater privilege than to, than to speak to someone about Christ. And sometimes it's hard, of course, oftentimes, almost all the time, it's hard to talk about Jesus, but there are tools out there. There are Bible tracks that you can get. Um, if you go to the website, kingdomd.org, there are uh, three different tracks that have been translated into different languages. Um, you can print them. It's all free. Um, but you, you want to be consistently or, or begin to have a lifestyle of putting Jesus before people. Of, of really speaking to people about Jesus or, or, or leaving them some gospel literature, right? And, and again, you'll never know the difference you can make when you share Christ with someone. Or maybe you put a, a little gospel track on, on someone's windshield or you leave it in a bathroom somewhere, a Starbucks somewhere. You'll never know the difference you can make when you put good, solid gospel literature right? In someone's hands or on someone's car, or you just get it in their hand, right? You'll never know the difference you can make. Then leaving her water jar, the women went back to the town and said to the people, she's not concerned about the water anymore. And that's what we need to be. We need to be less concerned about the physical things of this world. We need to be less thirsty for water and more thirsty for Jesus. Lord, help us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Verse 30. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So the woman's testimony, the genuineness of it, the zeal of it, the excitement of it, has these people following her. Again, this woman who's, who, who has been used up by five men, who was living uh, in a sinful lifestyle, is now testifying about Jesus Christ and has led a town of people to where Jesus is. There can be no greater example for us today, right? That's what the heart of Jesus is for you and is for me. That when we've had come to know Jesus Christ, when he's revealed himself to us as, as the savior of the world, we want to be like this woman and, and zealously talk about him, zealously encourage others to come out to Jesus and to see Jesus. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Okay. Jesus has, has been doing spiritual work, right? Jesus has been doing the work of his father. He's been doing the work of the kingdom of God. And so food hasn't been out of his mind. And so his disciples lovingly 
you know, urge him to eat something. But his, re his response in verse 32 is pretty interesting. 31, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. What does he mean by that? But he said to them, I have food to eat. It's like, regrettably, that you know nothing about. <laughs> this is kind of, it's almost amusing, verse 33. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Do you think sometimes Jesus just got a little bit impatient, just kind of like exhaled? He tells him this incredible statement. I have food to eat that regrettably you don't know anything about because all you're thinking about is your physical food. All you're thinking about is your lunch. Okay. But I, I have food to eat and his food as he's going to say in verse 34, my food said Jesus is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. It's, it's kind of amusing because when Jesus says, I have food to eat, you know nothing about, automatically all they can think about is that, you know, he ate something physically. And we see this theme throughout all the gospels. And we're the same way. Jesus can be talking to us about immense, incredible spiritual principles, right? He's trying to talk to them that his food, his sustenance, right? What keeps him going is to do the will in the work of the heavenly father. He's not sustained, he's saying, only by his physical food, his physical bread. He's sustained by doing the work in the will of his heavenly father. Yet when he says in verse 32, but he said to them, you know, and you could just see him saying it very somberly, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you, you know nothing about. Someone brought him some food? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just, I'd be, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, you know, man, every time I try to tell you something, I mean, what? Someone brought him some food? Because, I mean, he just said, I have food to eat you know nothing about. What, did someone bring us some food? No, no one brought him some food, bruh. Okay. Jesus said... He may not have done this, but this is what I would have done. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Okay? That's my food. Okay? No, no one brought me some food, guys. I'm trying to explain to you here, regrettably, that, that you don't know anything about this because you're driven by your stomach. You're driven by all your physical needs and physical desires. Jesus is driven by doing the work in the kingdom of God, the spiritual work of his heavenly father. And he is certainly saying that to us today, Jose. Because I, I too am like this Diet Coke here. Sometimes this drives me, right? I got to get some, get, get a little snap of this. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. What, what sustains us 
Remember in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Human beings, we don't live on bread alone. We live on the word of God and the son of God and apparently doing the will of the son of God as laid out in the word of God. His disciples urged him to eat some physical food. I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. It's regrettable, but you don't. And his disciples said to each other, could have someone brought him some food? I didn't see no one bringing no food. My food said, Jesus, you and I need to, need to have a lifestyle, an increasing lifestyle of more and more being sustained by doing the will of Jesus Christ. You want to say today, and I want to say, we want it to be our lifestyle more and more to say that my food, Dustin, you want to say my food is to do the will of my Lord Jesus who sent me and to finish his work. Stephen, you want to say my food is to do the will of my Lord Jesus Christ and to finish his work. What sustains us? What sustains you, Scott? Wendy's? What sustains us? Obviously, we eat physical food to sustain us, and it was thoughtful for the, for the disciples to, to, to say, hey, man, you need to eat something. Rabbi, eat something, right? They're respectful. But this is a, an immense principle that, you know, when you're doing the will of Christ, when you're, when you're doing the work that Jesus gave you to do, you're often not as concerned with the, the physical things of this world, the problems of this world, the food of this world, right? Even when, you, when you're not feeling well, if you're doing what Jesus has, has told you to do and you're doing the work of Christ, right? You're distracted from that for a little bit, right? He's, when he said that, he has just been doing this with this woman, right? He has been doing the work he was sent to do which is to lovingly lead people to himself. And that's the work that we've been sent to do. And I say, the more we do it, the more that we'll be sustained, not just by physical food, but by spiritual food. Lord Jesus, help us. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, mm. golly. All right. Um, we're going to, we're going to end there and uh, we'll pick up next time. And next time, hopefully, we'll, we may finish this story. Yeah, we ought to be able to go 35 to 42 next time. So, golly, Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the living, pulsating, powerful, sustaining word of God. Father, we thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives, Lord. We just thank you just for this incredible story, Lord. We ask you to help us to be more like Jesus. Father, I need and I want to be more like Jesus. And uh, there's just so many ways I'm not. But I thank you that you're merciful, Lord. And we have a chance today because your mercies are new every morning, Lord. Lord, help us not to be concerned with our reputation like the disciples were. Help us to, to, to be willing to love people and not worrying about how it looks. And Lord, help us to be more concerned with you and the work you've given us to do. Help us to have our sustenance and our food to be in Jesus, 
in what Jesus has for us more than in the physical things of this world. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this incredible word of God. We ask you to go ahead of us now. We ask you to prepare our way. Again, we thank you for this incredible word of God in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.